Welcome to another episode of Game of Life with Dan and Harmon. We're very excited to welcome a author, a singer, oh, well, an good. actor. Author came first. That's yeah. <laughs> and he's so funny as well. Whenever he pops up on Sam Peterson's podcast, it's always a good time. Rob Mills, welcome to the show. Welcome Thanks. to the show, Rob. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate that. Author first is like that's oh, that's excellent. That's that's in order of uh, things that I've done recently. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I appreciate that. Thanks. Well, I, I love that book. It's um, it touches on like um, you know, mental health a lot yep. as well as role models. What a man is really. I mean, I relate to it a lot because I'm a bit of a geek, a musical theatre geek a comedy geek yeah, so that's me that exactly so like i really gra- like i really grab it well? to, no, no i don't like sport okay cool <laughs> I, i'm not a, i'm not a sport nerd but i am like a stand-up comedy nerd a musical theater geek so i really gravitated towards that book uh, awesome yeah I, I tried to uh try to work out what it is to be an aussie man and so i interviewed a bunch of incredible people mm. kind of like you guys really but i just yeah. did it in book form i suppose mm. yeah interviewing psychologists and um comedians and um other people I sort of i've met along the way um, along along my journey, but also some people that I just found super fascinating mm. to maybe mm. sh- shed a light on what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, and how we can best be better better blokes for mm. our partners, for our friends, for our family. It was a really yeah, I learned so much from the um, yeah from the experience. I, I know you've talked about that book a lot, yeah, and it means a lot to you. So, what 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 gave you the sort of motivation to say, okay, I'm going to write a book? Um, I wrote an article for, um, during, during lockdown, actually, I'd lost a few friends to cancer. Mm. And yeah. then I talked to, I went drinking with friends as soon as we were you know, out of lockdown. That's what you do mm. in Australia, <laughs> catch up with mates, yeah, have a does. few beers. Yeah. And I realized oh, I was drinking quite a bit because I didn't really drink during lockdown, but it was only when I was socializing with friends. And mm. then I felt worse after the drinking, obviously, cause it's a depressant. And I realized I hadn't really dealt with the, the loss, the grief, um, the loss of my friends and the drinking didn't really help with that. So uh, over the last few years, as I get, you know, was nearing my forties, I had a really good look at my relationship with alcohol. And anyway, so I wrote about that and that went to the age and a, pub- a publisher mm. was like, Hey, that was really good writing. Um, could, would, would you think about writing something else? And I went, yeah, I've always kind of been fascinated with identity. Um, Australia's yeah. sort of own identity, but mm. I was like that subject is way too big for me about trying to work out Australia. Um, but what if I looked at sort of my own experience as an Aussie man and how the, the landscape is changing and we're in a post me too mm. uh, world for blokes and we're trying to work out, are we this hunter gatherer? Are we more of a nurturer type or um, who are the archetypes of Australian culture that we used to have, mm. you know, the bond beach blonde surfer yeah. guy. Um, then there's the Jackie Howe wearing mm. sheep shearing bloke mm-hmm. that we can sort of, yeah, remember vividly like not vivid, vaguely right now i don't really um i'm not either of those people no, you know like same yeah. kind of like you like yeah. a bit of a bit of a geek but like i still like my sport but i like my theater i like my mm. art um we're kind of a you know we're a hybrid you know also we're a, a massive diverse nation now more than, more so than mm. 30 Absolutely. 20 years yeah. ago you know like yeah. the amount of immigrants immigration we've had in this country is beautiful like it's yeah. amazing mm. we're a, a cosmopolitan mix of awesome culture so mm. And how that how that works, and um, yeah, I, I found it really fascinating. And as I said, I learnt a lot. I um, grew in and around country towns uh, growing up, and it was hard trying to find that sort of outlet for myself to um, because you know stand up comedy. 
uh, musical theatre is hard to find in a country town. Yeah, I can imagine. So especially when I moved to Melbourne, I found that you had everything here. I mean, you had the comedy festival during the March and April period and then you also have all these theatre shows yeah. happening on at the same time, like Mary Poppins, if that's not your thing, then you got Anne Juliet to yeah. go and see down the road. So yeah. I found it incredible. And I know you're a big, you know, you love Melbourne as well. So be, what is it the, the about of, Melbourne? The king of, of Melbourne this year. Yeah. <laughs> what what is it about Melbourne to, to you that, that you love? I think it is this uh, cosmopolitan kind of kind yeah. of vibe of Australia, you know. It, we it gives get the, you a bit of everything. Yeah. Right? I mean, it like, does. it doesn't matter what, what you're into, you can find it here in Melbourne. Like, mm. last night I went, had some delicious Ethiopian food in, yeah. um, uh, where were we, in Kensington. Um, you know, the night before, obviously, I had some KFC. It was delicious. <laughs> but, like, there are so... <laughs> There's so many different things that you can find in in Melbourne, whether it's the sport mm. or whether it's the arts or whether it's theatre shows or um, different uh, different foods, different cultures. You can experience it all in this city. Mm. I'm, I I love it, and I was truly honoured to be the uh, the king of Moomba this year with Rhonda Birchmore <laughs> as the queen. Uh, like you know, she's the star of stage and screen mm. for, in Australia. She's a uh, you know the queen of theatre. What? Why do you like keeping so busy? Uh, because as uh, we were saying before we started, you're doing a show in less than three hours from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is crazy to me. I like it. Yeah, I like. I like <laughs> being busy is good. Yeah, I, 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 I think like so. Like, yeah. I mean, we had a couple of years in the arts where we did nothing. So, mm. I mean, I pivoted and found a job doing some consulting for an online home loan company, but that's that was <laughs> another story. Um, and writing the book at the same time. So it was, I, I don't know. I like the the purpose of it. But not to be confused with um, your job is your identity. Mm. I think we we, mm. we sometimes for a lot of people, I am it my job. Their identity. Yeah, mm. instead of like mm. searching deeper within oneself to find out, you stay at the surface level. Yeah, instead of digging a bit deeper, deeper and trying to look who I am, what I'm yes. doing, like why, 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 people, why are you doing this? Why are you mm. doing this? And I and on this podcast, I love asking people like why yeah. is of this and why is of that. So I think people don't do that and they stay at the surface level, and time goes by very quickly, and then you at a certain realization like okay, what am I doing and why mm. am I doing? How so do I, I feel think, about this? How do I feel yeah. about this? And uh, the sooner you have it, the better it is for you, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I talk about this in a lot in workshops and I remember speaking to my brother about this many years ago. I got into acting oh, pretty pretty late. So I was always in pubs and singing and stuff mm. in like pub bands. But it wasn't until I got into acting and learning more about how does a character feel about this thing? How does a character feel about this scene or this other person that they're on stage with? And I was like, oh, how do I feel about this thing? Oh, how do I feel about life? How do I feel in general about things? Mm-hmm. And so I said to my brother about his kids, get them into drama early on and not to become actors because the industry is very small and it's very hard. You have to be very lucky. And I touch wood, I'm still mm. still here, you know, still working away. But to learn more about yourself through mm. these other characters that you get to play, I think is really I don't know. I think it's, it's really important to, if you can learn those skills early on, it makes your life so much easier because you have a better understanding of who you are. And you also play those characters in your life as well. You play you play a friend, you play a father, you play a son, you play a husband, you play yeah. a partner and brother. You do play all those characters as well. And once you have a deeper understanding of that, you can have a deeper understanding of the characters as well. Yeah, abs- yeah. absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I, I highly recommend it for anyone, like go and do an acting class or just, yeah. to, just to sit in it. As I said, not to become professional but even, yeah, just, just to learn more Even and dance, like learn how you feel and how you move in your body, not because uh, you want to become a dancer but because it 
feels good to mm. dance. Did that come natural to you, dancing? No, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Dancing's hard. Like, it is, it's, right? It's really hard. You, you have to put yourself out there a little bit. Mm. But, okay, this is weird for you, right? So you, let's go back in time. Let's go back 50, 60, 70 years, right? And how would people, like, hang out with each other? They, mm. go, to the, they go to the school dance. Yeah. Oh, or they true. go to, like, the dance. Like, men and women would meet at a dance, dance. and you would have mm, to walk yes. up and ask yeah. a woman to dance or a man would ask a man or whatever it was. Like, mm. they that you would dance with each other. And then it becomes this weird, I don't know what happened over time, but it became this weird EDM taboo changed thing. everything. <laughs> EDM maybe, yeah, I don't know what it was. But, like, it became like I don't want people to see me dancing. Mm. But it used yeah. to be like I want people to I want people to see me mm. dancing. True. So why, when did it shift? Why did it shift? Why did we, yeah. we why do, were we needing like alcohol to to lose to lose that inhibition to go on go on the dance, dance floor? floor? Yes. I used to do it sober. I don't know. I I, I feel like it's something that we've uh, somehow messed up because dancing is it's inherent in our bodies. We've been yeah. doing it for thousands of years. Do you think it's become harder for people to put themselves out there as the years have gone on? Yeah. And or they only do it via social media, mm. so they only put out their best bits. Yeah. Online. So then they're not actually interact interacting face to face. Yeah. They're they're able to let themselves go behind a computer screen or behind a mobile phone. Yeah. It's a lot easier when you're doing it in the comfort of your own home than you are face That's to why face. I've never been a ta- fan of texting because yeah. it's to me. I would rather sit and look at you and just you know shake hands and meet people and be there in the moment and just have a good yeah. conversation. I say that it's with not, it. I yeah. say that with it. Well, I'm a, a, I'm, I'm, a bit of, I'm a bit of a nervous talker <laughs> and an introvert. And yeah, I told one of our um, guests that we had on. Uh, the other day that this is the most amount of strangers I've ever talked to in my entire life. It's crazy. <laughs> How's that going for you? Uh, it's, I'm becoming better at it, I think. Um, better at conversing with people and you have, yeah, than I was before. And now that like I'm, practice. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the comedy festival is just on recently and whenever I've seen a comedian that I've admired just mm-hmm. walking out and about in the street, I would always be apprehensive to go up to them and say, oh, I really admire your work. Yeah. But this year... After doing this podcast, it changed all that because I've been going up. If I see someone, hey, I really love your work, but That's I'm awesome, still a man. nervous talker. But yes. I'm getting I'm, I'm getting better. I think it's, yeah. Yeah. it's and, important. Just, it's like practice, yeah. like anything, like playing guitar or dance yeah. or whatever, or practicing conversing. Mm. It's practice makes perfect. Yeah. yeah. Since we're on that, Dan, and since Rob is here as well, I want to say that to you. I was talking to him yesterday as well. I want to say that. I think that's the story you've been telling that yourself that you're a nervous talker. Stop mm. saying it now. You've done enough. You've done 20 episodes. I think we've done 30 episodes and stop saying it. You have to stop saying it, that you're a nervous talker. You're not a nervous talker. You started a podcast with an awesome introduction. Mm. So just believe in yourself a tiny bit more than you do right now. Mm. I like this. This is good. I I think often I get caught up in my own head. You do. It's very very hard to sort of break that groove. Overthinkers do do that. I spoke to my psych today. I had a session with my psych. I see him once a month. Um, which I think is so good, mm. uh, whether I'm feeling down or up or mm. like just whatever. Um, I schedule in once a month, usually at the start of the month, yeah. um, see my psych. And we were talking about this today, about the things that you focus on. I had the flu a couple of weeks ago and I was like stuck at home. I was like, oh, I can't do anything. I've got this cold. Mm. And he's like, isn't it funny that you focus on the things that all the things that you can't do or the things that you are at the moment instead of like focusing on 
things that you wish you were better at. Like mm -hmm. you, instead of reframing your thing, it's like, oh, I'm a nervous talker. I go, I'm getting better at being talk. You know, I'm, yeah, you could exactly. Oh, that's beautiful. You mate. could switch yeah, it, switch it into beautiful. a more positive yeah. mindset. Yeah. I'm yeah. working, I'm working towards being a better, yeah. better speaker. Mm. Yes, and yeah. I'm getting, you know, I'm getting better at being yeah. a, a better speaker. Mm. It's, it's so much better. It's so much better for your ears and for your mindset. Um, to reframe it in a positive light mm. instead of like, oh, I'm not a very good talker. Because that's the narrative that you keep telling yourself. Mm. You said you talk to your psych. Um, I think when someone's writing a book mm. or someone's writing, um, <clears throat> I think it helps you think as well because you need to be a very deep thinker when you're writing a book. And I've realized that having a couple of therapy sessions myself that basically what they're doing is they're not giving you advice. What they're doing is they're helping you organize your thoughts in a much better way. Yeah. Did someone help you or did your psych help you or did you have to organize your thoughts in a better way to write that book how was that journey like um i think i when it comes to talking about uh the psych stuff i i think i'd i'd always left it to like three or four months or five months or six months ago past and then i'd be like ah oh, i feel crap again i should mm. see my psych mm. but i made it a point because i talked about it so much in the book that I should put my money where my mouth is or whatever, walk the walk, the walk instead of talk the talk, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. And I made sure that I put in uh, once a month I would see my psych um, and that's really made a huge difference. Mm. Um, yes, I agree with you that he helps me reframe my own thoughts better. Mm -hmm. Like um, I had a mate of mine many years ago talk about when you're out for a walk or a run, it's all these files that are like in the, in the ether, like there's all these sheets of paper and... I think on a run or with your psych or whatever is the thing that um, helps you ca calm yourself, calm your thoughts. It's that way of grabbing all those files and putting them in manila folders mm. and then putting them back into the filing Drawer. cabinet. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Just arranging them yeah. all. So yeah, it's yeah, still yeah. it's the same amount of thoughts. But mm. now they're arranged better and they're, yeah. you know, they're yeah. away. Or some of them you can actually look at without the, you've got the clarity of it. Mm. When you were writing a book, did your thoughts go all over the place that you were oh, talking yeah, about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. First writing the draft, like yeah. it was just like a, I'd set a timer for like 20 minutes and then you have a break and then How does write someone again. start writing a book? You just write. How did you start? I just started writing. Yeah. Um, started writing about my childhood and the the men that sort of had influenced mm. me in my life. And then I looked at, I, I knew the questions that I kind of wanted to ask each, uh, each person. Mm. And then I, I was lucky enough to have Paul Connolly um, as my ghostwriter who helped me sort of mm. grab the sort of best bits from all the interviews and then we worked out the stories that I needed to tell of my own life, which most of them mm. already had. Um, and then sometimes it was he was like, I think we need something here and then something would just come to me. Come like, to and you yes. just write, uh, I've got a pretty good stream of consciousness. So it's weird in the beginning because you – are constantly judging yourself whilst you're writing, mm -hmm. oh, so you need yeah, to get 100%. you need to get rid of that the judgment mm. and, and just that's hard. Do, oh, I, I yeah, imagine though it would have helped it. when you had someone else helping you along the way. Whereas oh, yes, if you were doing it by yourself, it would have been a lot easier to um, lose the fuel, mm. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that happened a few times throughout it, and you know, just having that little bit of encouragement. He, Paul was uh, instrumental in chucking it all together and finding mm. it all and um, helping massage more things out of me as well, like, like mm. trying to find more color and different things out of the, the stories. But, um, one of the, one of the best stories that came out of it was just me on a walk one day. I was actually working with Paul in Melbourne and I went for a walk and bumped into these fire firefighters. I think, yeah, I talk about mm. the book and yeah. the, the stories that I got from that, just from me just saying, Hey guys, do you mind if I just record this chat real quick? And they're like, yeah, sure. And mm. 
the chat, which I thought was going to be about our firefighters, the best lovers in, in Australia, it turned out to be all about their mental health program mm. they have in the, wow. in the fire brigade. And it was an incredible story. Like they had this peer-to-peer program that I'm like, why does this not happen in every business? Anyway, those kind of – it gave me the courage to ask more questions, to be a bit more inquisitive um, that I probably – kind of like you, mm. like I maybe were, was a bit too scared to ask those mm. questions in the past, but it did give me a bit more confidence um, and not in a – um, in an arrogant way, but just in a more mm-hmm. confident and a more inquisitive way. You also realize that you're not by yourself because you do get isolated. You feel isolated in your head. And then when you ask questions, you, you realize that, okay, I'm not in this by myself. There are people dealing with same or similar problem. Mm-hmm. So you feel confident, like, okay. And then that forwarding momentum comes to you and you're like, okay, now I'm going to start asking questions. I think that mm-hmm. that's what happens in these sort of men's circles that I talk about in the book, but also in my own sort of interactions with my, with my mates. If you uh, create that safe space to share something and mm-hmm. then or you ask them a few questions and that gets the ball rolling. Next mm. thing you know, you're having a deeper and more winning, meaningful conversation, conversation. which uh, undoubtedly are the best conversations to have, which are the, the 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 conversations that connect you more deeply to your friends and to your family. Absolutely, mm. yes. Yeah. Just be, being being inquisitive, yeah. Wow. Did you have that inquisitive nature before you started writing the book? Yeah, I think so. I think it's in, always been kind of in, inherent. Um, I've always wanted to sort of teach and I think to sort of teach, you sort of have to be able to learn. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think I've always been inquisitive in, in, in that way. I just never had the confidence to ask more questions. Mm. So, yeah, this is definitely – it's definitely helped me more. Mm. It would, would it, it's really hard in um, for people to open up these days. So what do you think it takes to get someone to be more open um, in these circle, in these sort of friendship circles. Oh, mate, it's we talk about this with the RUAK day, guys. It's it's finding the time, um, making sure that you're the the right person mm, yeah. for for that person. Like RUAK day, I love the the connection of um, needing people to to connect and ask that person if they're okay. Some people are certainly are certainly not, but you might not also be the person. Mm. who has that relationship True. some people don't want to open up mm. if you've just met them or like um i probably would because i'll just I'd talk to anybody yeah. but um making sure that you're the right person for the for the thing um as i said before sharing something of your own mm. to let them know that it's a safe space to share stuff um, listen without judgment is a really important one um but yeah finding the time and finding maybe it's also finding the trust, I think, as yeah, well. It's, it's, yeah, and it's building yeah. the trust over yeah. over over time. Mm. That's what I, that's what I was saying. Like, if you, if you just met someone, probably you're not the the best person to be mm. asking them to open up, mm. unless it's a psychologist, which they're very good at it. Uh, yeah. But you're also paying for that privilege. See, see, even that, I haven't made that leap to go and see a psychiatrist yet. Harmon keeps pushing me to do it, but I, it's very hard again to talk to a stranger about, you know, what's going on in your head. First of as all, well. I think accepting the fact that you need help is very big. Yeah. Being self-aware. Yeah. If you can't accept that, there's like sort of, I don't know if ego is the right word, but I'm okay. going to use ego. <laughs> ego, it come, kicks in. It's like, ah, I'll do it another time. Oh, I'll do it. And then the time passes so quickly. Mm. And then you're at a stage of your life where you're like, fuck, should I have done that? That should be your fear. That should be a motivation. That fear should motivate you to... Do that you what should you yeah. should need to do mm. now. Yeah, that's that's really good. Instead I, of like, I've run from fear. I'm fear of. I'm afraid of so many things in life. So I'm afraid I do that. 
and I'm not very disciplined at that, but I think the best thing I've ha- I've done over the past is taking cold showers, and trust me, it's not easy. Oh, I love cold showers. <laughs> oh man, it, it, I love them too because yeah. the moment you step out, you feel like a, you, you're Dwayne Johnson. You're like flexing my chest <laughs> in front of me. It's like, yes, I did that. Yeah. And uh, do you take ice baths? Yeah, ice baths. Uh, I have a cold shower every morning, and I have a hot shower at night. Uh, same, yeah. same. Um, I think you're listening to Andrew Huberman as well because that's what he talks then. At night when you're sleeping, you what you what you need is your body to release heat. Yeah. Then you can fall asleep better. So I take a hot shower at night and cold in the morning. I'm not very regular at that. But since I've done that, it's that that one or tiny 1% of confidence that it builds in you. Like, okay, I can do this. I can yeah. do this. I can do mm. this. And you keep on that chain. So, yeah. It's like everyone has these different things. There's ice bars uh, become the the thing at the moment, but it, it's running a half marathon or a marathon. Anything. Or a, mm-hmm. Anything that anything. pushes your body, your mm-hmm. mind. Um, I did the Oxfam walk with my brother a few years ago and it was the f- five to six months of training in the lead up to that. Mm-hmm. That was the thing that really bonded us together and mm-hmm. um, and the accomplishment of, you know, walking 100 kilometres in 28 yes. hours, I think it was, we mm-hmm. did it in. It was horrific. But at the same time, like whenever things are hard, you're like, well, I did that, mm. you know, just little things that you can yeah, tick off to yeah. say that, oh, I, I gave my, you know, I challenged myself to do that. It's kind of I don't know, a, a good way to uh, stepping stones or building blocks of, of your own sort of uh, resilience. Where, where does your head go when you're performing in a show? Um, what sort of um, catharsis does that hold for you when you're performing? Um, maybe like you, like I like making people laugh. Mm. I've always m- liked making people happy or um I like them enjoying, I like people enjoying themselves. So back when I was singing in pubs, it was like playing their favourite song. It was playing songs that they'd requested mm. and singing the song the best way that I could do it so that they enjoyed themselves. Mm. I, I get much uh, gratification from other people's happiness. Mm. Um, in a show like Anne Juliet, which is uh, incredibly progressive and fun and joyous, um, it's a show about second chances and the opposite of our cancel culture that we're in at the moment so it's so much uh, i love being part of something that's so joyous mm. so i saw it sunday night it was quite a vibrant show it was yeah. very fine just escapism yeah as well which it's, is what you need in theater i think as well yeah Your escape escapism fun it takes you to another world it really does but i think it, that's the sort of magic of of theater and especially musical theater as well because you can really truly immerse yourself in it's, a musical theatre as well. Yeah, the music it's the music that um, adds that extra dynamic or mm. that extra layer of, of emotion that you don't get from a that you don't get from a play. Yeah, I think if you're just watching a straight play and it's like, you know, a two and a half hour play where it's just people talking, there's not much going on in the sets, they can be really good and the actors can be really good, but there's something special about musical theatre, I think, that it really sort of takes you away. It's a oh. lot when they nail all the three elements of storytelling through song and dance yeah. and, and, yeah, through through the music and through the script writing, it's incredible. This is one of those ones that's an absolute uh, an absolute winner. But getting back to what you, you're asking about, where do I go? Mm. I just go into the, the character. Mm. Yeah. Like when I'm on stage, I just go into that character. And I don't want to sound like a wanky actor guy, but... You truly live in that, you, that world Yeah, you live well. in the world yeah. for when you... The good thing about this character is not too far from me. I'm just me doing an English accent mainly. Um, I get to play a bit of a fool. Yeah. And I like playing the fool. It's it's kind of a fun place to, to go. 
And then, you know, the world is very serious and interest rates are going up and <laughs> so yeah. you got mortgages to pay. <laughs> so, like, it's yeah. nice to get on stage and play the fool and have people and laugh just, at you. Yeah. Just forget as well about yeah. the world, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Rob, growing up, <clears throat> when we're at high school or we're transitioning through high school, we do end up playing some characters just to present ourselves in a different way to the people around us to get some sort of attention. Yeah. Did you do that when you were a kid? Oh, without a doubt. I was a show off. Yeah. So they class, the class clown. Mm. Yeah, but oh, yeah. But it's weird. I have a whether it's a I'm not a massive believer in star signs or horoscopes, but <laughs> as a Gemini, um maybe I'm a bit too two sided. So mm. I Love the attention, but not too much. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's a weird thing. <laughs> um, it's not the attention that drives drives me in my career or in my um, in my day to day. You're talking about fear before. It's the fear, uh, the fear of the. Can I? I can swear on this. Um, yeah, the, of course. The yeah. fear. It's the fear of fucking up that drives me. So mm. I'll put myself in positions where I know that I'm scared to do the thing, and that's like going on stage yeah. every mm. night, or that's why you audition for these parts and. I dread doing a bad audition, so I'll prepare so well that I've done everything mm. possible. Not because yes. I really want the—I really, I mean, I really want the job, but like, it's—I don't want to be—I don't want to be a dick in front of these people. Mm. And then when I'm at work, I don't want to be the guy who fucked up the show. Like, yeah. so I want to do really well for everyone else. Yes. It's not like I don't want to do like really well for me. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, that's, no, I see what it's you a, mean. but I, I just. I like being part of the team in this. You're um, taking the responsibility to perform better for yourself and for other people. Yeah. I want, deep. I want the show to be better. Yes. I want the show to be mm. the best thing it can possibly be. And if you can't think like that, then what the hell are you doing to, in the first place? Exactly. You it, have it, to. It's a have to now. Yeah, it ticks the box for me for um, team sport. So I, I played a lot mm. of team sport when I was a mm. kid. So this is like being part of a footy team, but you win every night because everyone claps at the end. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I I yeah. think I was a bit of a show off as a kid, uh, just for I don't know wanting to. As I, said, I think it came back to that, not wanting to show off, but wanting to entertain, wanting to get a laugh. I mm. think, or maybe just being the youngest of mm. three brothers, you sort of are fighting for attention, yeah. maybe as well. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a bit of that. There's something about the collaborative nature in a show that I love because mm. when you're out there doing stand-up comedy, you're you're there by yourself, but is that daunting? It is very daunting, yeah. and it's scary. But I've acted in a few plays here and there, but it sort of it gives you a bit more of a safety net when you're acting and collaborating with other people. Um, oh yeah, and I just love that you brought up sort of team sports because that's really what it is. It's a team sport when you're in there oh, before when, with when, other performers. One hundred percent, great safety net to have. When I was first got into wicked was probably my first big big show uh which is coming back which is going to be fantastic mm. for all those involved um but i worked with a guy called ronnie dobson he'd been in so many shows and he's been in so many shows since he's uh he's one of my all-time favorite humans and we sharing a dressing room with him for 14 months in melbourne i learned so much about um, longevity in the industry mm. i learned so much about being humble about just being normal just being like you are only as good as the follow spot operator or the mm. the sound technician. Yeah. People can't hear you without the sound technician. Mm. They can't see you without the follow spot operator. Yeah. They can't see the set without the, the flyman, Lights, you know, yeah. doing that. Like yeah. it's, if one just, piece falls apart, correct. then yeah. the whole you, show falls apart. You're just one yeah. cog in a very big machine. Yeah. And I like that, that we're all equal cogs in, yeah. the, in the machine. What, what is it about musical 
theatre? Like, what, what's the sort of next big role that you still haven't quite got to yet in musical uh, theatre? Have, have you sort of ticked all the boxes? Yeah, I've been really lucky. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a show called Waitress I'd really love to do, yeah. um, which was com- coming here a few years ago but did not uh, eventuate uh, for whatever reason. Mm. Um, but that's a, a role I'd, I'd really love to play. Um, I like the pop rock sort of style musicals. Mm. I don't think I'm a Rodgers and Hammerstein kind of Andrew Lloyd Webber style singer, mm. but that's okay. I know my, <laughs> I know where I'm, I know where I'm meant to be doing. Um, I won't be doing Les Mis anytime soon. But yeah, I think, excuse me, uh, Waitress, uh, the music's by Sarah Bareilles. That would be great to do. Mm. I, I would love to see some. I would love to see you in something like The Book of Mormon because you're so goddamn funny as well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I just can't hit bees. I auditioned for that. I, I didn't audition for that in the end because I was like, I can't hit bees eight times a week. I hit it once a week, but like a B is a very high note for a man. So <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I pulled out. I was like, oh no, thanks. I, I don't, I don't think I should audition for this. I'll only audition for things I think I'm uh, that I'm right for, mm. or uh, as I said, that I think are challenging or. Um, but not, yeah, not out of my, out of my realm. Mm. Uh, I'm going to like diverge a little bit since I brought up comedy. Like, yeah, you've been on Sam Peterson's Confessions podcast a bunch of times. Mm. How how do you know Sam? And this is probably a question you'll get on no other podcast. <laughs> so someone asking you about Sam Peterson. So Sam reached out to me during <laughs> yeah. the, during the pandemic actually, and I've got to say a big thanks to to Sam because he sort of unlocked the comedy, the fun side of uh, of me that mm. I sort of had laid dormant for a few years. I can see, I can see that. I yeah, mean, every year on his show, it's just got such a great dynamic going. There. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, he's a really fun guy. I was actually out for dinner with him last night. Um, so yeah, there's I did a one man show in 2015 called Rob Mills is surprisingly good, mm-hmm. which I wrote with my friend Nat Garonzi and directed by Taran Park, who's excellent. Um, had a live band. It was basically like cabaret. Like I talked about my sort of journey from footy player to musical theatre guy. Mm. And it was so much fun. There's heaps of gags throughout it. Um, lots of fun songs to sing. And, yeah, maybe I had I had not done a lot of comedy sort of stuff, comedy writing for ages. And then Sam reached out to me and then I was like, oh, this is good. I feel funny again. I hadn't felt yeah. funny. This is uh, Speaking of feeling funny, I, I was – don't mean to name drop, but I was out with uh, I was playing tennis with Dave Hughes um, a few weeks ago, and he said something to me the other day, which I never thought I would hear from a you know a very established um, stand up comedian. But he's he said he he did a show just at the basement, um, very small venue, but he said he watched the footage back. I think he just filmed it on his camera, yeah. on his phone, or on like a small camera, and he watched it back. He goes, "I felt funny again." Mm-hmm. I was just like, "Oh, it's great that I don't know like." He's, he's human as well. Like mm. he's, of course, you know, you go through periods where he goes, I'm still doing gigs and, but he goes, I actually like the material that I was writing was, was funny or I, I love the fact that, yeah, I, I had that, I, I knew exactly that feeling of, I just felt, I felt funny. I felt like I was authentically funny. Mm. I, I think comedy is a very important thing in life as well. It's, it provides something that sort of helps you escape as well when things are getting you down and, that's why I gravitate a lot towards stand-up yeah. comedy as and you connect, well. And you yeah. connect with people. There's, yeah. Uh, There's know. something about like laughing in a group of people that it's a great catharsis. I'm a big fan yeah. of how comedians can turn trauma into a funny set. Mm. Yeah. That's the best thing you can do. And you need to be very intelligent, intellectual and smart to do that mm. yeah. in a very funny way. 
We we saw um, Dilruk during the oh, yeah. uh, comedy festival, <laughs> yeah. and he had a heart attack last year, and he turned his whole show one of the best one of the best shows I've ever seen. In oh, the yeah, festival. I was feeling I missed it. I saw him the other day. I was like, I'm so sorry, I missed you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's he's so good at uh, turning yeah tragedy. Well, you know, comedy and tragedy they're on the same. This, just on a, thin on a, line. Yeah, it's a really mm. thin line between comedy and tragedy. I, I honestly, I love that. I'll, I'll say this this quote that my friend Virginia Gay said on Q and A a few years ago, and it goes to what you're saying about comedy, but also I think it it rings true for all sort of live theatre. Is that theatre or live art or art allows you to feel the things you didn't know you needed to mm-hmm. feel? Oh. And she's quoting someone else, and I I can never remember who she's quoting, but. That really, that really struck me. It struck a chord with me, mm. and especially because we were in lockdown, I think, at the time. And mm. she was um, talking about her show that she'd written and produced, Serrano. And I just love the fact that you not only get to feel the things you didn't know you needed to feel, but you get to feel them amongst other people mm. in an audience. Whether yeah. it's a comedy, whether it's a comedy show, whether it's a musical, so or sense a, a of live connection. Show. Yeah, yeah. That energy that is flowing in the room between actor and an audience member or band member and an audience. You get to feel that energy mm. together is it's a super powerful thing. But yet seeing a character play out, whether it's uh, your mother or your brother or you, like, oh, that's me, I do that. Oh, I mm. do that. That's horrific. Mm. I need to be better. And, you know, mm. whatever you feel mm. when you see those characters. And I think... You feel that when you watch TV shows or movies and when they're really well crafted, but like there's something about, yeah, seeing it live. Something about seeing it in person for sure. But you know what annoys me? It's when people get on their phones during a live performance as well. Like (laughs) that drives me crazy. (laughs) During your your show? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So, So I saw the show on Sunday and there was someone in a row in front of me who got on her phone during the end of the first act. It was just... What are you doing? But thankfully, one of the ushers ushers told her off, which was great. But I don't understand. I don't understand why why people do that. Like it's happening right there. You're not at a film. You're not at home. Why are you getting on your phone? I imagine it's they need the distraction because they're thinking too much. That's usually why people go to their phone. Yeah. What What is it about ADHD these days? People can't be bored. Yeah. And and I'm not saying that because they were watching the show. I'm saying that in general. Um, human beings, when they were bored, I think boredom created creativity. It did. Because mm, when yeah. you get bored, it, it's a necessity. It's a force that forces you to fuck, I need to do something now. Yeah. And people are on their phone. It's a constant dopamine hit and it's like a loop. Now you can't find anything else to do. Mm. Once you keep that phone down, you see things, you see the world like, okay, now I'm alive. Now I can see things. So I think people don't want to get bored, even for mm. that one fraction of a second. Yeah. They just want to be like, boop, I want my phone. I want my hit. 100% I think I think people take theatre as well or just live performances for, for granted even after all these lockdowns that we've had. I think still people take oh, it I think for granted. A, I, th- I, I, would th- I would like to think that's a minority of people. There's only yeah. a, ha- a handful but I'm like, <laughs> yeah. shame on you. Shame. Yeah, yeah. How dare you. How dare you. Okay, let's let's take back, uh, Rob. Let's uh, Growing up, or did you grow up with like a strong male role model? Yeah, I, I talk about this in my book that um, probably my, my older brother was probably my greatest role model. Mm. Um, he's the one that got me into singing. Um, I remember him coming home from work one day at the Pizza Hut and I think he was also working at the pub at the time. And the night before he said to me, he goes, oh, I got up and sang with the band last night. Mm. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I've been like 
he was picking up glasses. He was a, a bussy at the Burvale Hotel. And they had asked him a few times. They'd heard him singing backstage and they're like, do you want to get up and sing? He's like, ah, I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't do it. And then they're like, come on, get up and sing. So he got up and sang and I, I couldn't believe it. Like my brother was on a stage mm. in a pub wow. like with people mm. and like singing. He's like, yeah, the best time. And then, yeah. How uh, old were you? Do you remember? Uh, he must have been 18, I reckon. So I was uh, 13. Wow. Yeah. It's the first time seeing your brother sing, though. I never saw him, but he just just him oh, yeah. retelling the story. Telling the story. Wow, that must have been cool. Super inspiring, yeah. I, I love that, that it was your brother as well. Yeah. <laughs> inspired inspired you. Yeah, and, yeah. like, my, I mean, look, my mum would take me to karaoke as well. I'd see my mum singing. Um, I mean, years later I'd work out that was my mum's form of escapism from my father. Um, not because he was a, a bad guy, but just, like, the relationship was deteriorating. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So she's definitely a you know inf- influence in my sort of singing career, and also my dad is a massive lover of music. Um, mm. I would say he's not the best singer, but like he loves music. Music, yeah. but yeah, my dad, um, as far as music, and my stepfather, definitely as far as uh, a communicator and a um, more inquisitive person. Yeah, I would say my stepfather was a huge influence on me. Wow. So what would you what would you say uh, did you do you have anything in your book that would resonate with people who didn't grow up with the with strong male role models because your book was based on Australian sort of male role models basically yeah did you have anything in that book um have anything I, a lot of it was about the sort of my own ref, ref, reflections um i have nothing in the i don't think i have anything about the book about if you grew up with two mums or mm. if you grew up with just a mum. Yeah. Although like my mate Josh grew up with, you know, a pretty horrific um, dad and um, his mum basically raised raised, raised him. him. Yeah. Um, and he, he is an absolute stand-up awesome human, you know. So like there are many, many men who have grown up to become better men despite their despite their upbringing yeah yeah i I think there's a way of looking at things um you can either become the victim to your upbringing or adversity breeds awesomeness is something that Mm, i like to that i like to say um but as far as the book goes it's more my sort of reflections on um, the things that i learned from my father and my stepfather and brothers and other male role models but yeah ultimately sometimes you can it's the things that they the things that they did all their actions um which are horrific actions are the things that you learn the most from mm. Mm. yeah wow now, now that you're older who who are your role models now would they still remain your role models to this day or would you gravitate oh, towards... i don't speak to my stepdad anymore so uh <laughs> that's all in the book all to be revealed yeah. in the book yes um uh my role models is still like my dad is an excellent um, human. He's kind. He's so lovely. Um, he's not the most emotionally um, intelligent man mm. that that walks the earth, but he's also learned a lot about mm. that. But I think it's just his upbringing and um, his generation. Um, but my, I think my friends, yeah, mm. uncles, um, friends, and peers that I've met along the journey are really mm. good for um, lending an ear. Or yeah, and I've gotten better at leading into those relationships mm. um for fear of many years ago of like the judgment that i, I would i would feel mm. from them now i sort of i would probably lean in a bit more and ask for a bit more help i've sort of learned um or through you that friendships are actually quite an important 
part of life as well. Huge. It's we don't think about it often, but you do realize that when you've got nothing and you're all alone. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it, it is it is the friendships and w- women do it far far better than men. Is the mm. thing I've sort of discovered in the in the book. The, the they they communicate better. They open up. They they share more stories and share more innermost feelings. We have these. Uh, there's a great joke throughout the book talking about like my partner says you hung out for like four or five hours with the boys at the pub. What did you guys talk about? I don't know. Yeah, just things around. Yeah. How's, how's, their, yeah. how's their wife? How's yeah. the kids? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really ask. He's like, what? Why didn't you ask? <laughs> so I've learned to ask more questions about their life because, yeah, they, mm. they become your true. your family. Yeah. yeah. And it's important, it's impo- but it's still important to banter as well. Yeah. Banter is super important. That's how yes. we do connect, I think, as blokes. Um, I, I am generalising here, but... Um, women definitely banter as well, but mm. I think we def- definitely need to lean into a bit more real chat. That's a, uh, Gus Wallen talked about it'd be good if it was just like 5 to 10%. Mm. I mean, I prefer maybe like 20 to 25% mm. real chat, the rest I've, of it banter. I realized that and I started doing it in a group of friends. And I've seen dudes get awkward. It's like, what are you saying? Why are you bringing the room down? I say, God damn, boys. Like, <laughs> I think it's harder. Real. I think it might it's, be harder to engage as well when you're a male i think it is but i think people are some well again they have to be same level as you are mm. if i'm operating at what rob said at like if he's if you're 20 i was like 50s and 60s and those guys are like in minuses like <laughs> what are you saying <laughs> what are you saying more banter more, more banter, banter less real real on. Yeah. I, yeah. I i think it's what you say before about trying to find when to have those chats. That's and, true. And at the pub. That's true. Maybe it's not the, or maybe it's in that group. Yeah. Maybe it's not, maybe it's for you, it's going to have some one-on-one time with someone, go for a walk. One-on-one is always easy because it's just you two. Yeah. And I've realized that I found my when. Every time I'm on, I'm on a long drive with my friends, you're in a car. That's the best Oh, the best. Place. Mm. Yeah. The best place. That's the mental health. It's like a therapy mm. session going on yeah. with four guys in a car. That's the best place you want to have those chats. Oh, 100%. It, it's <coughs> something to do with um, your eyes are going left to right. Yeah. Um, they're, they're sort of scanning the scenario. And also you're not getting the judgment of the eyes on you. Mm. That's true. Oh, that's big. Yeah, yeah. you're right. That's Because you're constantly looking out. Yeah. That you don't actually, yeah. so you've, you're getting time to ponder the ideas without any judgment yeah, back on you. Back on you, true. But that I think that just takes time to uh, yeah. learn to feel more comfortable That's within true. yourself to, you know, to like do we're that. doing now. Mm. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the car, car ride is great with your friends, great with your partner, uh, and a walk. I love a walk. Um, my partner and I, we walk every morning, um, except when I, I was saying to her today, I was like, when I had the the flu, I was in bed and just didn't mm. didn't really get up, and our relationship, you know, just faltered a little bit. You know, it was a bit more fighting, a bit more arguing about sort of stuff. Mm. And I was like, "Babe, we didn't we didn't go for a walk for like a week and a half." Mm-hmm. It's those it's those walks that really it, are the the times that we you down. yeah it slows, slows you down. yeah we connect and we talk yeah. about our day, we talk about things, and um, yeah, it's definitely definitely something worth uh, worth noting that yeah, a walk with your partner or a long drive or whatever it is, yeah, very important. Have you ever pondered um, what your life would be like if you weren't a performer? Oh, I, I think it would be a – no, I can't. I yeah. <laughs> a teacher, I, I think I always wanted to be a teacher, so maybe a mm. primary school teacher. Mm. I think it's something I'd like to do. Yeah, I like um, Yeah, I like helping kids and I think there's something maybe years down the track maybe that's what I'll, I'll move into, go back to school and 
learn and get a dip head or something. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I th- when I think of you, I think, well, you're a fantastic performer. It's a very big part of your identities to all of a sudden lose that as well. Like during COVID, it must have been quite a dark place as well. Yeah, I don't know. I just sort of, I'm, I'm pretty good at, um, what's the word? Uh, compartmentalizing. Yeah, is the word. Right. Yeah. Thank you. My brain is still yes, in the uh, flu. <laughs> compartmentalizing things. Yeah. So I think I just put it in a box um, or found ways to connect with people online. Um, yeah, that's, I think, kind of what I did. It was, yeah, it was a bit sad throughout the time but then i've yeah i found some work um luckily doing some creative consulting Mm. which really helped um yeah helped helped my brain to focus on something else but and then finding other ways in finding other ways that performers could perform Mm. um and sort of researching vr a bit and looking in how we can do these performances virtually and like these online concerts and all sorts of stuff that like i was I put on an online Christmas show with my friend. Like that, yeah, that was mm. bloody awesome. Learn how to switch cameras to be a director and develop a OBS studio suite throughout. You know, through, in my own house. Yeah, mm. it's crazy. Since you're a performer, do you enjoy any other parts of like? Do you enjoy being a director? Do you enjoy? Of course, you enjoy writing as well. Are there any other roles that you enjoy as well? Um, yeah, like directing is. I love directing, um, choreography, probably not. I don't dance, uh, but the <laughs> writing, um, consulting, mm. I like the workshops that I've done in musicals. So where you get to give feedback mm. on, on the shows and the scripts, I suppose that's like a dramaturg kind of role. Mm. Um, yeah. Consultant in sort of a creative capacity. I really, I really like, um, I'm getting more interested in, um, creating sort of, uh, video content mm. and how that works and yeah. Photography is something I, I is another sort of creative um, outlet of mine. I don't share it all with anyone, but it's just something that I personal. Yeah, mm. that I like to do. Every creative person, trust me, Rob. Every creative person, I have stacks and stacks of images that I haven't even touched. Yeah, I went to Tasmania in 2021. I still have pictures I haven't edited. Yeah, and uh, I don't know why we do that. I don't know. It's 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 very personal to me. I just. I don't know. I just don't want to share it with the world because I did that and something was going on in my head and I want to portray something with that image. But it's just for me. I don't want to share it with the world. That's okay. Right? It's, it's okay to have a... same with you as well? Yeah, totally. You don't have to share everything with, with everyone. I think it's this sort of fallacy that we've moved into in the last sort of five, ten years with social yeah. media that we have to share, share. Mm. every single thing mm. or we can only share the best things instead of just sharing um yeah i struggle with that a little bit at times as well like what to share what not to share and when to share or why am i sharing it like i think throughout the the process of the book i realized the importance of getting off social media Mm. so like trying to tell trying to tell the message of people to to get off social media but using social media to do that (laughs) (laughs) so ironic (laughs) yeah so ironic it's so counterproductive so that's one of the reasons why i thought the book was a a great path because it you you can actually put your phone down for a bit and escape yeah. into the book. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, Did you record an audio book for that? Yeah, I've done an audio book. Oh, that's yeah. good. So you can still listen yeah, to it. Yeah, that's good. With your, with your phone. With your phone. <laughs> <laughs> if you need you. Yeah, we're so attached to it. Yeah. yeah. People will say you're one of the nicest, most genuine people that's that they'll ever meet. And it's it's true. It's You're not a diva off mic at all. Oh, I don't think you can be in this industry. <laughs> like you'll get found out 
Yeah. Um, pretty sure. soon we've got a pretty small entertainment industry in Australia and I think, yeah, you'll get found out pretty quick. Um, I think longevity, uh, integrity and your reputation is everything that you have. Mm. So just don't be a dick. I think yeah. it's like just have a no dickhead policy. Well, that's where my question was leading. How do you stay nice? How do you stay humble? Uh, I've got two older brothers that are pretty good at keeping me grounded yeah. if I ever feel like I'm getting too ahead of myself. But then I realise like I'm just I'm not doing anything overly special. Mm. Like for some reason over the years we've put so much emphasis and priority over celebrities or and what and what they think instead of the actual experts in the field, mm. um, especially when it comes to, yeah, American Hollywood actors. Why do you or, think that is? I have no idea. <laughs> like the glorification <laughs> of some people versus all these experts who were changing the world. Right. Nothing was more evident during um, during COVID, during lockdown, was, you know, you have these epidemiologists who are experts in this field. They're like, I don't believe them. <laughs> yeah. I'd believe an actor. I, I believe this actor, yeah. yeah, who's talking like absolute <laughs> shit about the vaccine. You're like, what do you mean? <laughs> I believe Russell Brand. Don't believe, like, don't believe Russell. Like, he's very, he's a, he's a very uh, funny and uh, very smart narcissist. But, like, don't. Don't believe everything. Like, yeah, don't true. believe it. Don't believe everything that Jordan Peterson says. Don't believe everything that mm. you know that, that these people say. Like, probably believe the actual scientists that have spent their whole, whole lives life. doing yeah. the thing. Yeah, true, true. Um, but yeah, I think it's it just because there's so much out there. When you start listening to all these people, you resonate with some, and then you have to have a strong sense of opinion as well. But if you don't, then you just get lost, lose yourself in yes. all that. Discern discernment. All that message that uh, everyone's... Because the second you open your phone, it's messages, mm. being, you know, there's... What are you looking the, for? The messages word? in your algorithm. Yeah, messages or... Uh, I'm looking for... A little, anyways, messages or propagandas or blah 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 whatever yeah, yeah, is yeah. just constantly thrown at you and your your psyche is com constantly changing and if you don't have a strong sense of opinion you just end up losing yourself and, and i think that comes down to trying to find that self-awareness or dis yeah. discernment and that comes from maybe to walk by yourself without any music or any podcast or you anything have to isolate yourself mm, yeah or going to see a psych and trying to work out how you feel about how you feel about things or having deeper conversations with your friends yeah. so then you can slower conversations yes. so that you can actually yeah discern or f figure out how you actually feel about the thing that's that's what's super important we switching off yeah we is, don't we don't do yeah. it enough we probably constantly trying to uh, stimulate our dopamine. stimulate yes that yeah. was the word I yeah there you go thank you i got you i got you <laughs> just an overload of inf information yeah. coming at us all the time it's yeah we i don't know how what the solution is to switch off because read read, read yeah. books read and read different texts i think we're now that we have an algorithm um, which is, you know, focused for us by Google and Facebook and Apple and all, all the other big players, um, sometimes we forget to think about what we actually want and go and find it ourselves. It robs us from the opportunity to stumble upon something random. It, yes, yes, mm. yes. Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson said this, not my <laughs> No, no, it's very good. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's But I thing. agree with him, right? It, uh, they're robbing us from the opportunity to stumble upon something random, which is which is what life is. There's Randomness. A, there's a, I think there's a website called Stumble. Oh, wow. Or Stumble Upon. Stumble Upon or Stumble.com, I think. And you can just it's, click the button. It's kind of like... Um, this goes like a brrr yeah of the internet. Yeah, yeah, I figured that crazy, yeah. right? Well, that's good. I think you can, you can type in a few things that you're interested in. Keywords. So it's not like yeah, yeah, and just be like, oh, show me that. Yeah, I don't know. 
That's cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. I've got a couple of questions. I thought mm, I formed it right, so I've written them, so I'm going to read them. Okay. What is the underlying purpose or meaning you seek to convey through your music, your performance, or your book? And how do you believe that art impacts and resonates with your audience, your your art? How does that resonate with the audience? What's the message you're trying to convey to your oh, that's fans good. and audience? Um, I'll re- reiterate the thing I said before about how I think um, the theatre or live theatre allows you to feel the things you didn't know you needed to feel. Oh, yeah, I like being mm. a part of that concept. Um, I like spreading a bit of joy. I like people taking the time when they come, come see a show to reflect on the characters that they see but also on how they feel about these characters or how they feel about themselves because there's nothing but silence. Well, there's the, the show that's happening mm. but it's nothing but you reacting in your head to that. It's, it's, there's no phones, there's no, yeah. there's no distraction in that time. It's a really, I think that's why people mm. still love going to yeah. see the theatre. And, and, and they're immersed. Yeah. They're immersed yeah. in it, yeah. You have to pay attention for a long time. It's not five or ten second no. clips. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a ch- it's an opportunity to actually switch off from technology. Yeah. yeah. I really, and I really enjoy that. I, I was talking to my partner about this the other day about doing corporate gigs and singing. Um, like I host a lot of events throughout, uh, throughout the year and often I'll be the band at the end of the night and sing a bunch of mm. pop songs and rock songs and stuff. And what I... I could probably do that full time for more money than I do for the theatre, but I like the theatre because of the immersion of the audience and the mm. story, and I feel like I'm a part of the team. And mm. that's—I think I said that before, but yeah, I think the the corporate gigs is great. It's fun. There's more money, but I don't really get you the don't same. Connect. You don't yeah, connect I don't, with the reason. You don't connect with your why. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird, right? It's weird. And I, I like I did a gig with uh, Tanya Doko and Mark Gable from the Choir Boys and Dale Ryder the other day. I had a ball because it was. I'm not doing that every week. It was just like a really good catch up with mm. like old rock and rollers. Like I just love those guys, and I had I had fun, but I missed the show. Like I missed doing. Yeah, honestly, I missed doing the show. I miss progressing people's minds through through theatre. Wow, that's deep. There's another one. <clears throat> Share some interesting insights or observations with us that you have gained during your experience of self-reflection, your journey of self-reflection, uh, when you were exploring the concept of mas- masculinity. Oh yeah, okay. So, <sighs> yeah, what, what I took my time writing these. Questions. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> so when I looked up masculinity in the dictionary, it says. Um, showing traits of a man. That's all it says. <laughs> it's, so stu- it's so it's stupid. so vague. It's so vague. vague yeah. It's so vague. Like, also, what, is, what does that even mean? So, so I think we need to look at what masculinity is That's and true. why it exists. And you know, I think it's. I think I talk about this in the book quite a lot, but it's just redefining what masculinity is, and maybe it's um, being more dominant. Mm. Um, opposed to being more passive. Mm. Um, maybe that's what it means. I spoke to this lady who came to the show a few, oh, this must have been during Hairspray, and I asked her what she thinks masculinity was. She said, I think for me it's a man who, or a person, but I think she, she was talking about her husband at the time. She's like, then he shows the appropriate emotion for the appropriate time. That's good. Shows appropriate emotions at appropriate times. So like if it meant she was, and she's the example of like, 
if he needed to be strong for the family, he needed to be strong. But if that meant also crying in front of his kids, then that's also okay. Mm. But it was like he wouldn't go to work and then just cry in front of his workmates all the time because it, it doesn't, that's not appropriate. Like it's not helping work. It's not helping mm. him. But to, to grab a mate and then say, oh, I, need to, I need to cry, mm. you know, that's still masculine. It that's is. still still mm. strong. And yeah, true. Sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. so I I learned about masculinity through the people that I that I've met, but I think yeah, you can be both. You could be uh, Larry was the I was going to say Larry David. It's not Larry David. <laughs> Who I think of uh uh this acting coach that I went and saw many years ago. And he talked about when we sh- when we show vulnerability, that's when we show our true strength. Yeah. And I it was such a powerful message in that moment that I've gone back and looked at all the times that I was vulnerable or spoken to people about being vulnerable. And it's, it's true. It's, mm. it's when we actually connect with people, but that's when we we're that really builds st- trust. Yeah. It builds it trust. It's when we're strong. It's like, and if you are just trying to be a stoic rock, that's immovable. Mm. You don't want to be mm. immovable. You want to be malleable. You mm. want to be able to, move with what the situation that's happening yeah. if you're a rock things will just go over you or move past True. you don't be a rock be mm. water be water be fluid mm. find the be find the appropriate water. emotion for the appropriate time be water my friend yeah, yeah. Be water is that bruce lee, <laughs> that's, bruce lee. <laughs> yeah, that's bruce lee um that was it man uh, actually here's here's one more okay go. um <clears throat> what are some of the takeaways that you've learned over the you know over your time in your career what would you what advice would you impart um, on young actors out there? Oh, mate, there's nothing, nothing will beat practice. Mm. Practice meets, mm. makes perfect and practice the audition. Like we are professional auditioners. That's the, that's the gig for an actor, um, for a singer, dancer. Like if you're no good in the room at the audition, no one will ever see you on stage. You might be the best singer, but if you can't audition. Mm. You can't present yourself. Th- yeah. Then you're basically, you, you can't, yeah, that's true. People can't see you. And there's one thing I always tell the kids, um, what's your, I always ask them, what's the, f- what's the first thing you need to do when you're on stage? And they're like, sing well, act well. I was like, no, it's be comfortable. That's oh, it. That's big. Because as, yeah, as a, as an empathetic humans, when we see someone who's nervous on stage, we're immediately nervous. Yeah, nervous we're like, oh them. God, yeah, I'm yeah. so nervous. Yeah. It works if the character is nervous, I suppose. Yeah. But like. Your number one job is to be comfortable, mm. and the only reason, the only way to to become more comfortable is do the work, do more, do more things, do do it more times, so you feel more comfortable when you're when you're doing it. And it just doesn't build confidence in your performance; it build con- it builds confidence in yourself. Yeah. And no matter how smart or dumb you are as an individual, people can read other people to a certain degree, and someone and anyone can tell if you're nervous or not. Yeah. So, yeah. And remain as authentic as possible. I think that's also important. That pe- anyone can tell authenticity. Yeah. And people love mm. authenticity. If someone sees authenticity, they trust you more. Yeah. And they'll connect to you more. That's well. that's why I don't mind telling people I'm a nervous talker. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was authentically you. Yeah, it's yeah. not what you took take away from this podcast. Yeah. No, exactly. Jesus. But I'm trying to be. Yeah, <laughs> trying to be better. Yeah. yeah. Yes, trying to be better. <laughs> but, man, we have an awesome time. Right? Yeah. Thank you, but, thank you so nice. much for taking the time nice. to, to be with us today. I mean. Man, I can't believe you got a show in a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. Time. That's crazy. Oh, yeah, i got to go. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks, and man. Let's wrap this up. Thanks, man. Thank you, Rob. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you.